Hi, welcome to uh, New Frontiers. This is our season 11 and we're on episode three of this and we're exploring ecosystems and platforms. This episode, we're gonna focus and go a lot deeper into business platforms. Just to be clear, that isn't um, technology platforms. We're gonna focus more on the business platforms, which is where it facilitates an exchange. Uh, um, and so I'm Mary Abazia, and of course, Tom Spitali and Sean Wellam are here to, to uh, figure this all out, or at least try to. And our question that we, we've posed to ourselves and we wanna talk with you about is, if you should join a platform, and if you say yes to that question, how might you consider doing that? So Tom, if you would please, should people even consider joining a platform in a B2B environment? Yeah, yeah. it seems more and more that it's inevitable that a, a B2B is at least going to be, you know, propositioned by a platform to, to join it. I mean, there's places now, marketplaces, B2B marketplaces for chemicals and energy products, right? Places where um, there are, multiple competitors selling their products, kind of racked and stacked against the other players. Um, and the attractiveness of this, of course, long-term is going to be the number of customers that you can get at a very low marketing and sales cost, or at least the number of customers you can be exposed to on these marketplaces. There's been, uh, a, a threefold expansion of B2B marketplaces in the last 24 months. And of course, we are all familiar with the already established big, you know, B2C-like marketplaces, the Amazons, the Alibabas, um, and, and, and co companies that have sold, you know, consumer products is, have already made their decisions, <laughs> you know, whether to participate in these marketplaces. But it's not the case yet with most B2Bs, but it's coming. I think that's the first message. It's coming. And, um, you know, I, I, think it, I think it's something that you need to begin to consider right now and all the ramifications. That's what we want to talk about uh, um, today. Sean, what do you think? Should they? I think, you know, it's one of those depends questions. I yeah. think that, that you've got to look at the benefits uh, of joining a platform and the, uh, the risks and the opportunity cost. I guess those are the three things. And I imagine like a simple platform, just to make sure we've got a good understanding of what we're talking about. If you, if you had a, a, a second property, like a little, little cottage by the seaside, right? And you wanted to rent that out to other holiday makers, then you're probably going to list that on a holiday cottage platform business. Otherwise, you've got to market it yourself. You're, you've got to try and find subsequent tenants for it for a week here and a weekend there. And that the cost would clearly out. There's a huge benefit to listing that property onto a platform where eyeballs are coming. It's the same as marketing your house. You use a realtor for that same reason. They have a shop window, and that's where people congregate to look for properties in your area. So in some senses, in some cases rather, it's absolutely a no-brainer. The, the costs of you transacting and reaching a market are so huge if you don't leverage an existing platforms. The first question is, is this a more efficient way to get my product into the market? And then you've got the, um, the, the, the lack of control, the risk elements. All of a sudden, you're, you're very 
public, your your availability and pricing. So, so the first question I'd always have is, is there a massive efficiency benefit for me to be on this platform? Can I get potential customers that I could not really reach myself would be the first question I would ask. Yeah, Sean, to add to that, um, I mean, I'm, I'm an economist <laughs> um, by training and it this really starts to kind of hit a nerve when I think about, you know, marketplaces and and where should you go and you know and and should you join some of these and so from an efficiency standpoint there may be a lot of reasons to um but is it giving you your maximum profitability or maximum volume at least you know it may be very easy to get into some of these platforms but do you have the reach that you would um either by yourself or in another platform you know you're looking at all your options on platforms hopefully um and then does it dilute you are you if you are going to get in there and you are diluted is that okay are you losing something that long term you've worked really hard to create a value that then gets sucked out in some way so so adding to your question of efficiency is it not only efficient but does it add um more potential volume profit and can you not get diluted? You know, there's an interesting... Really... Oh, go ahead, Sean, please. I was going to say it's a really good ad because I was going on the efficiency angle, but but the other way to measure that is, is current performance and capacity. If you have a business where you already have a ton of customers and you're running at the level that you want to, um, that's another consideration to go on a platform. You, you, you really need a reason. That may be because you're looking to expand and it's the most efficient way to expand, or... It could be that you've noticed some uh, some pressure in your customers who are using aggregatory platforms and, and maybe looking for more um, improved terms or, or deals and the competitiveness is increasing and you're losing customers and you need to preempt that. But it's true. It's not just efficiency. You, you also have to look at the uh, your, your current state. You know, how well are you doing without the platform and how might that look in the future? You need to be a little bit of a, a forecaster for this stuff as well. What, what happens in um, the cases of established platforms is it's a significant benefit economically. Um, and, and I think what we're saying, um, all of us are, you have to consider, is the platform an efficient way to reach customers that perhaps you're not reaching today? One example of this, it's not a B2B marketplace, but it's a fascinating case study that I read about last week is Costco, the, the membership warehouse supplier. Um, when you go into Costco and you see a name brand product and then Costco's own private, uh, private label brand of the same product called marketed under Kirkland, um, what I found out is that many of the manufacturers that make the name brand also make the Kirkland brand, okay? They just, they make that product, the same product that's sold under the name brand is, is, is marketed under Costco's private label Kirkland brand. And in essence, you say, why would they ever do that? Because the Kirkland brand sell for less. And by the way, I found out that Costco requires that Kirkland brand to be of similar or better quality than the manufacturer's name brand. So you say, why the heck would they ever do that? But here's how it happens. It's because Costco has 100 million members. They attract 100 million members to their, to their warehouses. So as a platform, that's significant. The other piece of it is, 
is those 100 million members will buy that Kirkland product without any sales and marketing costs on perhaps on, on behalf of the sales, uh, the, 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 the manufacturer. There's zero sales and marketing costs. They're promoting their own brands with commercials, et cetera. But in the Costco warehouse, as they're bringing people to that Kirkland brand, there's no advertising. That comes out to something like 20 to 25% on average of a consumer packaged goods retailer's costs. So they're like, heck yeah, I'll compete against myself because I'm getting rid of 20 to 25% of my you know, revenue uh, expenses and I'll continue to support my brand name and I'll get sales outside of Costco, but in Costco, it's a really great value proposition. So it comes down to the idea is, is the platform significant enough <clears throat> that you can get rid of a huge amount of your cost and begin competing in a whole different way? I guess so it depends. Tom, Go ahead, Mary. Sorry. I was going to ask with your Costco example. So um, if I sell butter and I have my, my brand name and then I have the Kirkland brand, um, part of that deal then is, is that that the the branded butter ends up um, probably decreasing in sales, right? Is that my expectation going into joining this platform is, is that more of my sales will shift over to, to the Kirkland brand. So I'm cannibalizing myself definitely to some degree, but assuming that because there's more advertising and, and support on the Kirkland that I'll actually make it up in volume. That's that's the deal that the some of the most shrewdest consumer packaged goods retailers in the world are making with Costco. So you have to uh, you have to figure that as they take a step back and look at the equation, they feel like yes, inside of Costco, I'm cannibalizing some of my brand sales, but the you know the economics of the Kirkland sale are worth it. Outside of Costco, where Kirkland private label brands aren't available, I'm still promoting my name brand outside of Costco. And that, that whole equation is additive. And of course you always have within, within Costco, you're gonna have the name brand shoppers are gonna buy the name brand you know, in certain product categories, no matter what. So yes. We're talking, about, we're talking about platforms here. And, and obviously Costco is just a, a customer. Right. I mean, it, in many ways acts as a platform because it's a distribution network, yeah. but it is a single entity customer. Yeah. And it's an interesting point, because when we think of platforms, at, at what point does the power of the platform through the network effect of, of aggregating so many buyers to so many sellers, once you've created that, that sort of flywheel business model where you, 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 you're self-sustaining to an extent, when, do the plat when does the platform start acting like a, uh, a, a customer uh, a, a, and exude buying power, like in Porter's Five Forces? Because the other consideration about joining a platform is if that platform gets significant power, they will then extract, as, as Mary, as an economist, would call rent from the marketplace. They would say, yeah. no, we're, we're going to take our... our uh, share well I, I say fair share in their mind their fair share of the revenues either by charging membership or transaction fees or what have you and it's an interesting idea that a platform in many ways acts like well this is my I, i'm thinking out loud does a platform act in many ways like a a huge buyer in a typical market is that the characteristic they have 
or are they like a distributor? You know, it seems like some of the characteristics are like a new age um, digital, in some ways, uh, distributor, right? I mean, isn't I think, this- I think you're both right. I think they have the characteristics of a, a massive customer who just happens in the B2B marketplace, a massive customer that happens to also sell to other customers, which is kind of the, 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 the uh, definition of a distributor. And it's, 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 it's powerful. You know, it comes down to the economics of the situation because anytime you can reach through a distrib, let's just call it a distribution channel. Anytime a distributor comes to you and says, I can reach a huge number of customers that maybe you're not reaching today. Maybe there is some, some overlap, but you have to make some concessions. You know, that's, something that you have to consider. And your question is how many customers, how many customers can I reach and um, how efficiently can I do it? But I, I think when, when that comes into play, you do have some serious distribution or channel conflict issues because if let's just use Mary's definition, it's like a huge distributor and that distributor extracts a great price from you or some concessions. How does the rest of your distribution channel feel about that? You know, and how do you mitigate the fact that you really want to continue with those distribution channels that you have existing to, to, to continue to sell for you, but add this new distribution channel and not cannibalize each other? So how do you deal with that is a big question. There is another aspect to this as well, which is an example of uh, a, a big company being different and it's an insurance company so you have in the uk where i'm based you have uh, like all around the world these these um comparison websites if it's a regular sort of commodity whether it's your car insurance or your home insurance or your your your, your electricity bill or whatever it is you, you you these businesses set up that allow you simply to compare best prices and best offers who would do that who would do the best price yeah. And there's a really big insurance company that does typically home and car insurance pr- primarily. And they advertise on TV, but one of their, their taglines is you won't find us on comparison websites, call us direct. And it's an interesting counterplay of thinking rather than be on there and be visible and have all that issue of maybe some, some compression of margins trading for volume, they've taken the view we've, we've got pretty good volume and good brand. Let's take that, that opposite view of saying, Hey, we, we don't play on those things because we do great deals anyway. You just need to come to us directly, which is another interesting. I mean, not, not everyone is a, is a huge business that can do that, but it's another valid strategy. When we ask, answer the question, should you be on a platform? There's an opportunity, I suppose, to say, heck no, I, I'm going to be the person that says I'm not going to be on a platform. I'm, I'm unique. I'm special. You need to come to me. I'm not a commodity. I think if yeah, you have I a powerful that's brand, that's a probably, the, you know, if you have the most powerful brand that stands on its own, why would you? Yeah, this is, um, this is a big decision that you'd make as a marketer. And, um, you know, we always say that a marketer has to orchestrate things. And this is a big thing. So um, I would definitely get your, your finance friend in the room and a salesperson in the room because you want to have different perspectives. You need to look at this question, not only in the short term, um, but, you know, because financially in the short term, it may not make sense. 
But um, longer term, you know, if you're talking to your salesperson that's in the room too, they may have a case to say, let's, let's expand our horizon and look at it over the next three to five years. This is, uh, this is how we're going to really be able to build our business more. So um, I think to make this decision, you need to have some very diverse um, opinions and perspectives and timeframes for how you're evaluating this. Yeah, I think that's true. And another question you could ask is, if our challenge is to reach more potential buyers and the platform is one potential solution, how does it compare to others? Returning to classic strategic marketing and saying to yourselves, okay, here's our challenge. We need to be top of mind to this group of potential customers at the moment they're going to make a purchase decision for our particular B2B offering, whatever that happens to be. That's our challenge. And work through the process and say, rather than take a go, no-go with a platform, ask yourself the question, how else can we do this? Because the goal is the same, reach as many customers as efficiently as possible with a compelling value proposition that will lead to revenue growth. And you know, the platform might be a little wake-up call if someone's trying to disaggregate your market and to control the flow of buyer and seller, maybe it's a chance to say, look, what else can we do? How can we ramp up our strategic marketing activity to be more effective in our own marketing efforts and bypass the need for a, a platform? Obviously, depends on the strength of the platform and the type of market, but always ask yourself the question, what, what else can we do? It's, it's, it's a little bit like the ecosystem discussion we had last week. You have to have some forward thinking thinkers, you know, some, some, what, how is this going to play out in the future? We had said last week, you sometimes have to pick out, pick or make a bet on which ecosystem of several ecosystems that you could be a part of, you think are going to win. And those are the ecosystems whose standards you manufacture to. I think with the growth of B2B platforms, it's going to be the same thing. There's going to be several of them for you to probably choose from. And you need to make a decision as to which ones maybe that you think are going to win or where you want to play and maybe not play. The only thing I will say is that with the growth of millennial buyers out there in B2B situations, which if you just look it up, there's lots of stats out there. Almost every buying committee, 80% of buying committees has a millennial buyer. They like, to, they like to buy this way. They like to buy on platforms. They like to buy in a, in a scenario where they don't have to deal with anybody until they're well into their, into their um, you know, studying a, a particular you know, purchase where they want their way into the buyer's journey before they even want to talk to you. And they want to be able to compare uh, their options in the marketplace. So I think it's, it's going to be a fait accompli that you're going to have to be a part of this in some way, most of you out there. Yeah, um, we hope you've enjoyed this this episode. Um, we always love to get your feedback. Thank you for for um, many of you sending us comments about these things and how it's actually working for you in your real business world. Um, and if you like our podcast, we're on Accidental Marketer website as well as on YouTube. Uh, thank you very much.